Where you go, Matt. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Strategy Cafe, a shot of leadership inspiration from Alembic Strategy, and about as close to a real cafe as anyone's going to get for a while. The webinar is part of a series we're doing on crisis management, which you can see in short recordings on our website or socials, um, or live each week on Thursday mornings. Um, we'd love to have people participate. So as we go along, if you have any questions, please do feel free to include them in the questions area in your panel section. Um, today, I'm joined by some of my colleagues at Alembic. Uh, Nick is here, of course. Hi. And Rosanna. Good morning. And David. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm going to run through some slides and pause a few um, key parts for some discussion and questions. Um, so we'll keep an eye on the questions as we go along. The session will finish up in around half an hour um, and recordings will be available afterwards. So feel free to share them with your colleagues and I hope you find it useful. Uh, today we're going to be discussing scenario-based disaster planning, a topic probably on everybody's mind right now, given that we're currently in the midst of a crisis. Uh, for many business leaders, it's likely to spell a challenging time, uh, both for them personally and for their businesses. Hopefully the simple frameworks that I run through today um, will make crisis management a little more manageable for everyone that's listening. Uh, when people experience high pressure situations like a crisis, it's a fairly common response to jump immediately from where we're currently standing um, to how we can solve the problem that we have in hand. So sometimes this isn't the best course of action. Um, it gives no consideration to how things could be in the long term um, or even the medium term, and you can get caught up in firefighting. So it's important, important to be patient, to take a little bit of time um, and to try and work out where you're going to be, even over a relatively short period say 90 days uh, you can then come back to where you are now with that context and you can work out um, what your desired outcome could be so the framework i'm describing here um, which we use to identify business issues is called now where how um, it's worth noting that in the context of disaster planning uh, the where in now where how is probably going to be closer than in normal scenario planning as you need to be more agile to, to rapid changes So taking some time to identify the current underlying issues of business is always a good starting place um, when we're talking about the now for a company. Uh, for me, the best way to work through this and really dig into the issues of your business is through using uh, mind mapping. So I'm sure that's probably a technique that a lot of people listening will have heard of. Um, one of the reasons this is such a great exercise to undertake is that nobody knows your business like you and your team do. So you've got a wealth of knowledge to use when you go through the exercise. Um, a point to look out for while you're mind mapping, particularly in, in a crisis situation, um, is the potential upside. So um, you may get very focused in on what you're trying to do to fix things, um, but it can be there can be an upside, so make sure that you look for it. Um, there's loads of great tools you can use along with mind mapping exercises. Um, sort of to the, to the Olympic team, a uh, good question for you is, uh, what tools do you use while, while you're mind mapping? Uh, I'll pick one up, that one up, Matt. Um, often with a mind map, I'm, I'm a huge fan. Um, and, and, and as the team will know, they're quite often sprawling. Um, we use a whiteboard and 
folks will often come in and find uh, an awful lot of words have been written in there. And understanding uh, which of the key points is uh, that you should act upon is is really really important. And so we use um, the Pareto rule, the 80-20 principle, to um, to take down the quantity of actions that you might uh, you might carry out. Uh, and the way that we would do that is to maybe put the put that out as a vote to the, the team or the people who are in the decision making process to actually vote or give them three votes and, and put a sticker or something onto the, the most important elements of the mind map. And then you, it's a simple process of quantifying which of the, uh, which of the actions you're going to take forward. Sure. Yeah, I guess um, often a question when you're sort of identifying key issues as well is how do you compare to seemingly very different issues so um, a, a good step further is to sort of do what we call issue ranking where you take um, all your issues and rank them against two or three criteria which are set by you so that could be looking at these issues what's going to have if we solve it what's going to have the biggest impact on cash flow right now so cash is king at the moment so we want to be focusing on that um, it might be around profitability but it also might be on how well we're um, improving our sustainable competitive advantage or meeting the sort of three month wear so I think issue ranking is a really good way of um, deciphering between the different issues and sort of coming up with sort of the key issues that are going to deliver the most impact particularly in the short term we are actually doing a webinar on that next week I think so more information on issue ranking will be coming up it's a really good tool to use I love both of those I think um, um, Pareto is um, underused uh, and a bit magic really and just avoids you getting that sort of paralysis of analysis where there's so many issues it's really good to just cut to the key things and focus on those um, an issue ranking is, uh, is, is like a fundamental process. I think it's both great points from Rosanna and from, from David. Um, um, my contribution to this, just think around now analysis, there's a couple of other things that you can do. So um, you know, come in and check in with us. We have diagnostic tools. So for example, there's a survival diagnostic and there's a growth and profit diagnostic, uh, which will perhaps just help with your mind mapping, making you think about more things to put on there. Great, thanks guys. Um, so moving on to the, the where and the now where how. So understanding the impact a crisis could have on your vision for your business is really a key part to working out uh, the where part of the framework. Um, so when working out our where, we um, use three potential scenarios. So we're gonna use a low, medium and high severity scenario for each of these. Uh, and we're going to assume a level of business disruption and uh, revenue impact. I'd imagine for most people that we're talking to um, in the current climate, we're going to be looking at the severe scenario, um, so affecting more than 50% of revenue. Um, so probably for these people, um, it's still going to be relevant to have the medium and um, low impact um, scenarios, uh, but that's going to be more for the recovery rather than for ramping up in severity we're already in a reasonably severe uh, scenario. Um, to give us the best chance of considering all areas of our business and market which could be um, affected sort of on a macro level, um, we use a checklist called uh, the pestle factors. Um, David, we, we were discussing these earlier, perhaps you can elaborate a little on, on pestle. Yeah, sure. 
Um, PESL is, a, is an acronym. Uh, it's a classic tool as well, um, often used within the marketing and commercial departments. Um, so used for scanning the landscape. Uh, it stands for political, economical, social, technological, environmental and legal. The, the, the tool itself is effectively um, a matrix where you would plot each of those areas. Um, and look at the landscape that you're presented with. So uh, political, you're looking at the political factors that might affect your business. So you'd throw that out, perhaps come, taking the elements from a mind map or something like that, or, or after pre-towing even, and plotting them within the matrix. And so that it gives you um, a really neat summary for each of those headings where you can rank them alongside one another. It's a it's a great tool. I think it's not um, often uh, used these days. Um, I, my my observation about this is that every single factor on Pestel is impacted at the moment. So how how are we supposed to pick when uh, you know uh, we wish for the days of simple crises like Brexit? Um, and literally every single one of those points is is impacted. That's a good question, Nick. Um, on my next slide, actually, I've got some. Um, some tools we can use. Um, so I mean, we've been over a couple already, things like issue ranking. Um, so I'll flick onto the next slide and I'll answer your question. Uh, so as we're beginning to look at how we're going to implement our plan, a good starting point is to explore uh, our urgent issues. So say seven to 30 days um, and start implementing our change from there. Uh, interestingly, some of the research shows uh, that change initiatives have a really poor chance of success um, with only around 30% success rate. So considering our potential roadblocks and using a tool we use called Change Success Model um, can actually increase our odds quite substantially, so to around 80%. So that's definitely a tool that's really worthwhile using. Um, when considering, we there's probably three key areas we want to look at. Um, so risk, waste and growth um, are probably those three key areas. Um, Rosanna, uh, what do you think are the, the key things we should be looking at when we're considering uh, risk? Yeah, I think it's, um, it's really difficult at the moment to sort of assess what risks we're facing. Um, and just to the pastel point, I think it's how do we compare a political risk with a sort of environmental risk and what are we doing sort of social risk as well so how are we ma managing sort of our staff and all those sorts of things that we're all facing so the all risks that we're facing um, and I think when you're looking at risk you're really looking at three things you're looking at the severity of it so if this were to happen how severe would it be and um, you're looking at occurrence so if it were to occur how likely is it that that's going to occur and then the third thing, which is normally forgotten about, which is about detection. So it could happen and it could be quite severe, but we might not know about it. So um, detection is about how likely are we to detect it um, from happening. And I think when you're looking at risk, you have to look at all three of those factors. And if they're scoring high in severity, high in likelihood of occurrence, but also high in terms of we might not 
ever detect it, that we really need to go and look at that risk. And that's a really good way of just unpicking all the risks that you're facing right now, because I'm sure you, there are many and, and just trying to focus on where you should be concentrating your efforts. So that's what we call the FMEA tool. But really, you're looking at severity, occurrence and detection. We can share all the tools with you afterwards as well. FME is a great tool, right? Um, and um, it's a really good way of getting a, um, uh, a composite score um, so that you can focus your attention on on the priorities. It's uh, it's it's very effective um, for for risk analysis. Yep, and it's worth noting that, like Rosanna said, that um, following the webinar, we'll be um, sending emails around um, and sharing some links to tools. Um, and other talks that we've done on, on some of the things that we've discussed today. Um, Nick, perhaps you, perhaps you could uh, talk to Waste. Sure. So, so Waste, um, uh, really, we're talking about um, you know, efficiency. Um, it covers all areas of the business. Um, waste often is unseen. Uh, so it's in um, you know, lost opportunity. It's in time that's not focused. Um, as well as in areas where you might expect it to be, like um, you know, in a manufacturing process, having waste in the in the cuts, for example, having to you know a uh, poor cutting process or something like that. Um, so it's literally everywhere. Um, depending on the type of business um, you're in, um, you're either going to be uh, hitting a hard stop, um, finding a need to pivot radically towards one part of the business which is busy while other parts are quiet, or actually just literally scaling up to try and meet demand. So we're seeing we're seeing all three. Um, and I think when the chips are down like they are at the moment, people are way more decisive and focused uh, around waste. So um, I think you need to go beyond the obvious, which is leaving no one turn, unturned stone on costs and really going through the PL line by line, item by item, and making sure there's nothing in there that um, is not needed. Uh, so really tight on overhead is like an obvious point. Um, I think if you're then uh, thinking about pivoting, you know, it's about redeploying resources and making sure that you are completely efficient in the transfer process in moving people from one focused uh, service to a new one which they're not used to and scaling around that. So it's really important to go through that process, make sure it's done efficiently, efficiently uh, making sure people are really focused on the key outcomes. And even if your business is uh, growing, there is still an opportunity for there to be a massive waste reduction because really what you want to do is optimize the amount of resource you've got for output. Uh, so uh, you might think it's not necessary if business is going up and turnover is rising. Actually, it's probably one of the most important points to really make that efficient and not bring in more costs than you need to or more resource than you need to to get stuff done. So for me, waste is critical in each scenario for businesses at the moment, whether they're on the downside, the pivot side uh, or on the up. Um, so really important one to have a look at. Yeah, I think it's probably one of the places people are going to tend to start with um, with waste as they try and strip some of their costs out. Yeah, I know that's really important. It's not easy to do. It takes a lot of time and effort. You can cancel things. You can renegotiate. Uh, there's an awful lot of work to do there, but don't get stuck on there, I think, is my key issue. My key point here is don't get stuck on the overhead. It's not really just about that. It's really about people and time uh, and making sure that you're focusing on doing the right things and not wasting any of that precious resource. Yeah, and probably along along with that, the the other side is is growth, our, our third point, um, which is really important to consider uh, along with our waste. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. Um, 
there's there's a number of things we can we can look for in in the growth area. Um, you're going to look to the um, the obvious that the areas of penetration. So you're in looking to your existing markets where you've already established maybe supply chains, product routes, uh, and and you're going to. It's worth exploring any opportunity that you might find within that existing space, but also go across to, uh, to towards diversification. Where are there untapped areas that are beyond your normal uh, spaces that have actually emerged? And you can you can leverage that using a number of tools, as the growth model tool or the product portfolio tool. But you might might also use the force, uh, force field analysis, which is a really neat tool. Um, again, mm -hmm. taking the Pareto'd items that you might have from a mind map, and then plotting the positives, and and work work with your team, get them all to contribute, and on on what are the the, the significant things that you can do positively within the business to leverage your product or service out in that market space so that you can really achieve the, the growth that you need to survive. And similarly, within the force field model, you can look at the negatives, those forces that are acting against you and, and seek out ways that you can minimize the effects that have, so that you can achieve uh, growth. Yep, and it's, it's worth saying that these, these three things work best when they're combined. Um, so understanding your risk, um, waste seems like a, an obvious one that people jump to um, and really having a look at the upside, not getting too focused in on, on any one of these things, and making sure you're seizing any opportunities to grow while you're cutting out your waste. Matt, can I just chip in? I think one of the things yeah. that we haven't mentioned, and I think links really well to um, growth, is just remembering your SWOT, so remembering your strengths mm -hmm. and really sort of leveraging your strengths. And I think just sort of always reverting back to what the SWOT of the business is, I think it's just maybe just a helpful thing to add in. Yeah, I, I think your strategic SWOT is a really good thing to have running in the background all the time. Um, it's something which is great to go back to uh, at management meetings and um, have a look at your SWOT and how the situation's evolving and see if there's anything that you've been talking about that could apply to um, your SWOT. It's a great, yeah. really versatile tool. I'm sure probably people are, are fairly familiar with that as well. Um, but again, we'll, we'll include that in the tools we, we pass around at the end. Yeah. Um, so once we've worked hard on outlining our plan, it's time to get everything recorded. Um, in a format which is going to be easily understood um, and which anybody can easily look back to and reference. So we use something which is called a one-page plan, um, which is done for the next 30 days. Um, so in this case, we should probably be looking at our plan a little bit more often than 30 days, given that things are changing uh, really rapidly. Um, so probably what I would suggest is at weekly management meetings, um, you get out your one-page plan and you have a review um, and input anything that you might be talking about into your one-page plan which is relevant. So it's something which is more relevant in a crisis situation as things are changing uh, really rapidly and um, a short or medium term um, in the normal times might be 30 to 90 days. Um, it's going to be a bit more relevant to, to change things as quickly as you can. Um, a key point to mention is that when we've got anything which is actionable in our one-page plan, um, there needs to be accountability assigned to it. So uh, you want to be pushing this forward all the time. So you should have people who are assigned to your actionable tasks and a timeline to the tasks that are going into your one-page plan. Uh, you don't want to be recording things which are great ideas but uh, 
ultimately turn out to be meaningless because nobody ever drives them forward. Um, something else you can do is to use key performance indicators to quantify your success. Um, this will also serve to point you towards which scenarios you're going to be in. Um, so these are pointing you in the right direction, but are really just a signpost. So don't get too caught up on any one idea or scenario that you think you might be heading towards. Um, you should try and be open-minded and you should go with the feedback that you get um, and try and be agile. But a question for you on that, Matt, actually. Um, given that there's an awful lot of people working remotely, um, distance from their teams, how, how might people keep things agile under those circumstances? Um, I think there's lots of things you can do. Um, uh, Nick, do you, did you want to talk to Agile? Sure. Uh, I mean, I think um, Agile is the right, the right response in the current environment. So Matt, I think it's a great point about um, shortening your time cycle for planning and having weekly meetings and just um, it kind of feeds into that, doesn't it? So uh, we all know um, that the current environment is um, highly uncertain. Um, at the same time, um, I don't know anyone out there who has experience of dealing with a total environment like this. So we're inexperienced and it's highly uncertain. In those circumstances, Agile is the best kind of uh, strategy to adopt. I think at the same time, uh, people are feeling a lot of emotional pressure. Um, uh, there's quite a lot of things happening that um, might happen during the day that make you feel fearful. And so uh, that can also drive uh, a sense of immediacy, a sense of tunnel vision, et cetera. So really important to find a way of chilling and taking a step back. Um, and then I think Agile is the right response. So it's keep things really clear, take little steps. Uh, so don't take too many big risky steps. Um, use a wide team around you. So get points of view from everybody. Make sure you get feedback regularly. Um, and um, and then follow up on that feedback and change your approach. So you really you're kind of testing you're testing the water with every decision, getting immediate post decision feedback because of that uncertainty and inexperience you don't know. And so therefore it's really important not to um, trust your judgment on everything and instead to trust the response that you're getting, which is what agile is really all about. So small steps, low risk, uh, work with everybody and mine your way through it um, little by little, step by step. Yeah, and I think what we're really talking about here is continuous improvement. And I think you're right, Nick. I think the pace of it is just maybe sped up at the moment because things are changing on a day by day basis. Um, one of the things that we do use is a really simple sort of cycle, which we call plan, do, check, act, um, which is about that whole cycle of changing and iterating and keeping things agile. So create a plan, do what it says on the plan, but make sure you check what's actually happened and did that meet our expectations? Is that what we thought? And then the final bit is about acting. So if it worked, then great, that's a thing that we can take forward. But if it didn't work, you have to go back to planning and sort of working through the cycle again. And I think that's just a really nice four-step way of just sort of making sure that you're checking back because I think what's going to get missed is the checking back so you can have the best plan and you can deliver it but if it hasn't sort of hit what's needed you're not sort of having that regular check-in so I think the pace of that just is speeding up a lot more um, and I think those who don't act and make really quick decisions um, are going to sort of fall behind. 
Yeah, I, I think to have a framework like that to work to in the background is going to be really useful for people. Um, there's so many things happening so quickly. Um, it's useful to have something to check back to, um, to keep, keep you pointed in the right direction. Just a final point for me to so teamwork is teamwork is mission critical um, to everything that everyone's always always already been saying. Just teamwork is mission critical. You kind of got to split up the tasks and get people to go off and do stuff and then come back really quickly, feedback. So open communication, no blame, um, get, get all the information flowing as fast as you can. Um, stay transparent, stay authentic, and then and I think so. That teamwork is the key word at the heart of all of that. Sure. Um, so finally, a few reminders on next steps. Um, so it's worth just um, making a couple of points. Uh, so you should be trying to set a time and a format for your next meeting. Uh, that is probably going to be online at this point, I'd imagine. Um, finding who's going to be involved. Um, reviewing your plan as we've been over um, as often as you can. So try and aim for once a week while you're in a crisis situation. Um, really try and be open-minded as you go along and adapt to the situation um, as things happen. Um, and ultimately, use your team, use your expertise, plan, work together, um, and we can all prosper together. Thanks very much for listening to that. I hope you found it really useful. Um, we're gonna stick around for a few minutes and just pick up any questions that come through. Um, and we are gonna give you a little bit more information on the programs and resources that we've got live just now. Um, in the meantime, um, David, I think you have some of that information for people. Yeah, sure. Um, so again, uh, echo Matt's thoughts. Thanks for joining us this morning, guys. Um, it's a testing times, um, hence us rolling out the Coping in a Crisis series of webinars. This is the second in the series. Next week on Thursday, same time, same place, we're going to be running uh, the next one, which is on issue ranking. Um, if you'd like to sign up for the whole lot, I'm going to put in the facility for you to do so, um, so that you don't have to come back and do that each week, and then you can just join in and you'll get the reminders to your inbox. So um, bear with me, I'll get that sorted for you. Um, in tandem with this, we're running um, some revised services. Um, if you check out the What We Do page, you'll all get an email shortly. Uh, check out the What We Do page on our website. Uh, we're running free weekly support calls for you. We've dropped our rates by 25% across the board. We're running um, some online training as well, which is going to be rolled out so you can make payments soon online for that, so that you can um, get your team uh, going with that stuff. Uh, should they be furloughed, if there's people that you want to keep engaged or people that have got less work to do, that would be really cool for them uh, to be able to uh, enroll on a course which is relevant to them. So there's, there's something like 12 different, 10, 12 different courses with all sorts of different modules in there with something on everything. Um, we've got uh, all the tools that we've talked about today on our YouTube channel. If there's not all of them, but there soon will be. Um, that's also coming across in the email to you shortly. Um, uh, so bear with us, guys. We'll get that um, we'll get that across to you. It should actually be in your inbox right now, uh, and you can um, you can follow up on this. But if you've got any questions about anything we've mentioned today, do get in touch. It'd be really good to hear from you. Thanks, David. I've got a question for the group. Um, 
So, and um, just anyone out there who's listening, there's a questions area on your GoToWebinar panel. So if you want to fire in a question to me, to Rosanna, to David, or to our uh, webinar leader today, to Matt, who's um, put all this together for us, um, put your questions in. Um, my one is about scenarios. <clears throat> we were talking about <clears throat> the other day about um, the, the concepts of attachment and belief. So one of the big things in a crisis is um, having a worldview of this is how it is and then sticking to that regardless of the evidence of the contrary. So as everyone came into the crisis, I think it was a process of adjustment to this is the new reality and I have to get on with it. Where people have had losses, they've taken a, taken a loss or taken a hit or um, you know, had to adjust really rapidly for business situations around them. Uh, that's very stressful. And scenario planning um, is a really a way of just uh, exploring possible agile environments that we might find ourselves in. So three or four different worlds. Um, and uh, how do you avoid believing them? Because they're planning concepts, if you know what I mean. Uh, my worry is that people do their three or four scenarios and then think, okay, it's scenario A, it's scenario A, it's scenario A, and just carry on blindly, ignoring the other the other ones that they've developed. So what's the what's the way of avoiding that happening to you? Um, I'll take this because. Um... Um, last year, I actually ran um, some of the scenario plannings with a client, and whilst everything that came out was sort of things that they'd thought about, um, but they hadn't thought about it in enough depth to really compare sort of what's the likelihood of that. And so just by mapping it out was just a really helpful process. Um, and one of them was what if one of our biggest clients just ups and leaves? Um, and so we did a whole force field on that and we just went through actually what are all the things we can do to stop that from happening. So actually implement now for the possibility of this risk from happening. Um, and interestingly enough, um, I think about three months later, that risk actually happened. So one of their biggest clients just uh, decided um, for no real reason other than wanted to shift supplier um, that they were going to um, leave and I think in terms of actually one the thought process so we have confidence in ourselves that we know how to work against this we've thought about it and we've actually already made changes and they had to sort of work a lot harder they had to go and refill that pipeline but I think just from a leadership point they just felt so much more confident that they were able to survive and I think when you looking at beliefs we're looking for confidence in the people around us just to be able to step in and do what's needed but I think having that conversation just meant that we've already made some changes um, and we know what we need to do and it's really a confidence factor at the end of the day I think yeah so yeah. it's a bit like um developing literacy isn't it you um spending the time thinking through the scenario and talking through what you would do if is creating a, a language and a belief system around how you respond when that starts to happen and that gives you confidence before the event um, so you're not so much caught on the hop emotionally uh, you have language for it i think that's a really important point yeah i think it sort of takes away the the shock and the unknown um, so if people have got a bit of planning um, they feel comfortable that they're treading on ground that they've considered. Uh, and even if it's not 100% falling into one of their scenarios, they, I think you should always uh, try and talk people through being open-minded. It's not always going to be 100% fit. Um, yeah, having con considered those things and planned for them, 
um, can sort of put a more uh, rational head on people when really um, impactful things happen in their business. Thank you, very good. I guess it's got me thinking about the role of a leader and actually um, a question for you around sort of should there be a change in leadership style to sort of combat some of the emerging issues that we're all facing? Um, should, pe should people be adapting the way that they're leading? And interestingly, I, I, I had a, a conversation with um, somebody yesterday about exactly that. And it was less about a complete change of style, but more of a shift of um, uh, consideration, actually, in the, and, and the engagement with the team that they were having. Um, so it's uh, almost um, more focus on inclusiveness and extending a, a devolution of power in some instances, which was, uh, um, and, and again, using the tools that we, uh, that we use um, to, to bring that about so using uh, getting the team to contribute to um, a mind map thinking about the things that the team could do and instead of the leadership actually um, dictating the way forward they would um, invite input and let the team kind of pave the way themselves so it's so a shift of uh, mindset and in, in mental readiness if you like it's that mental preparedness for what's to come I think what's interesting about that is that this is a shock that's not only felt in the business landscape, it's also just it's just felt by everybody. And so um, whether at home or at work, it's just a really strong change that's happened. And I think that's uh, maybe quite different to other crises that have happened in an organizational sense because everybody knows about it everybody can understand it and it's no fault of any sort of person or policy or whatever it is and I think it's just felt by everybody which means that we're um, in terms of engaging as a wider team David I think it sort of makes people more compelled to want to try and willing to help and do what they can so it's really interesting to see how everybody's starting to come together to deliver, which is maybe has a different feel to other things that may have happened before. Yeah, accentuated by the remoteness of people, togetherness and remoteness, but finding ways to bring thinking closer, to uh, uh, collaboration closer, it's really important. Yeah, but I guess it's balancing that with also getting, you know, actually making really quick decisions as well. So, um, yes, getting the feedback, but also um, making that sort of snap decision just to get the pace on it. Yeah, I think it's really important and not shirking from making the um, having the difficult conversations that are needed. And, you know, you need to get into those quickly and get over them. And, um, you know, there, everyone will worry a lot about the reaction they're going to have when they have to say things which are maybe hard to hear. Um, so, you know, we always say, remember your humanity, remember your compassion before you have it, prepare yourself mentally for doing it, but don't shirk the responsibility for telling people the truth. I think that's a really important point. And, um, and then also consistency is really important. So um, I think where the environment is agile and there's a lot of change, you might need to chop and change policy a little bit. It can seem inconsistent. So for me, that just ups the need for communication. It's a less consistent environment. You need to communicate more. 
that would be my tip for leadership is to don't duck the difficult conversations and communicate more. So maybe that's a great place to wrap up. Yep, thank, thank you everyone again for, for joining us today. Um, do look out for your email coming in with um, the resources that David talked us through. And uh, hopefully we'll see everybody on next Thursday for our next webinar. Bye everybody, hope you have a great day. Keep safe. See ya.